What does healing mean to you? Healing is, is the place where I'm at. I'm healed. Um, I live with the daily dose of medicine of psychotropics and the daily dose of medicine from the Word of God. Voices, the mental health podcast, raising unanswered questions, sharing unanswered prayers. We are faith-based, peer-led, story-driven, and stigma-breaking. I am Tony Roberts. I am Eric Riddle. And we are Revealing Voices. Tony, we are set for episode four. Katie wow. Dale. Excellent ride we're having, just going along swimmingly. We want to thank all of you who have been listening to the program and giving us uh, five star ratings and reviews. Um, when they can figure it out, you know, like <laughs> I, right. I have a hard time myself sometimes <laughs> trying to give a podcast a five star review. I think iTunes has it in for us. Um, but we'll get I, I want to say this, okay? Yeah. Don't just give us a five-star review. Go out there, and any podcast you listen to that you like right now, go out there and five-star reviews. Boom, 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 boom. There's a little, like, write a review there. I would say no. No? <laughs> I would say just give ours a five-star I'm not review. competing with anybody. <laughs> All boats are rising in <laughs> mental health land. So I want to thank especially Tommy V, Tom Vandegrift, now a Presbyterian minister. Uh, he and I were back courtmates at Greenwood High School, the Woodman, the Mighty Woodman. Oh, yes. And he has latched onto our program and been a big support. Tom Vandergriff, thank you for your support. So you, you all were back courtmates? You were guards? Yeah, we were guards. I was the point guard and he was the shooting guard. Okay. So I didn't think of it at the time, but he's actually much better than I am. Yeah. <laughs> I was quite uh, envious of his ability. Uh huh. So, but we. I you were a ball handler. I I was a good pivot guard. Yeah, or point guard. Yeah, the ball handler. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, Tommy V could shoot the uh, the he, rock. You know, he we got the ball to him, and uh, Terry Hendershot was our other big big guy. Okay. Um, who could and Andy Miller also. So we we got I got the ball to all the guys who could actually shoot the ball. <laughs> Tony, your distributor, <clears throat> your connector, yeah, and you still are. So we had so many people contribute there back in November, December to make this possible, and we just continue to thank you. Uh, this is possible because of your donations. Today, I'm going to thank my family: uh, Bruce, Sally, Kurt, Maria, Suzanne. You all have been much more than financial supporters throughout my life, and thank you so much. For all that you do and continue to do, um, you make life a lot of fun, and uh, I've experienced a lot of healing through through your love and support through the years. And I have some people I'd like to thank. Uh, first of all, Ken Leonard, who is uh, a Facebook friend. He is from New Hampshire, and I enjoy reading Ken's posts and 
following his family life and thought life. And thanks to Ken. Uh, thanks to John Dobson, Reverend John Dobson, and the church in Monroe, Louisiana, Forsyth Church of Christ. And finally, I want to thank uh, my Aunt Rosaline, Uncle Richard. They've been a tremendous supporter of me in my uh, <clears throat> mission, my ministry, and they've continued that with support for our podcast. And uh, I want to give a big thank you to them. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much. Our guest today is Katie Dale. Uh, Katie is a blogger, uh, an aspiring author. She was diagnosed with bipolar at 16 and after two episodes of hospitalizations has come to a place of healing and stability. Her passion is for others to learn about bipolar and thrive in wellness with this brain-based disorder. She is finishing up her memoir of her episodes and blogs about life and the disorder on the blog BipolarBrave.com. Her creative pursuits include drawing, graphic design, creative writing, and music. Her professions have included graphic designer and mental health advocate. She loves Jesus, her husband, and the elderly. She resides... She resides in Missouri with her husband, Chris, and cat, Anna. Um, Katie's favorite scripture, Tony, is from 2 Timothy 1.7. says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Yeah, I had a chance to first meet Katie through her blogging. And so I corresponded with her, and very quickly we thought we would do guest posts on each other's website. Um, and she's a very skilled writer. I felt a kindred spirit. Yes, yeah, so Katie has just uh, released Game Plan, a mental health resource guide, and I strongly encourage our listeners to go to her blog at BipolarBrave.com and check this out. Um, there's an image there, uh, Game Plan. There's a couple of chess pieces on there. Uh, this is Katie and Carl Shallowhorn have put this out together, and it's really a concise, uh, practical guide for you to just write down all the important contacts in your life, uh, write down your medicines, write down um, your local crisis centers, has national hotlines, uh, mental health resources. It's just a really good thing to have at your disposal, especially when you're in a time of uh, a symptomatic state. Uh, if you're depressed. I know when I've gone yeah. to the hospital unexpectedly, when I was in New York on my own, um, you don't think about things like all my numbers are in my cell phone. Well, they take your cell phone from you. Right. <laughs> so you, do, you can't even call anyone. Um, and uh, there's a lot you don't think about. But if you have this book with you, you could carry it in and they would have all they need. You would have what you need. Yeah, and when I see this, you know, this is something I would have uh, my wife have on hand. Right. You know, a, a trusted family member who uh, knows this is the place to go for all the most valuable information in uh, helping you in those times of greatest need. Yep. So, um, Katie, thanks for putting that out. Thanks, Katie. So let's start the program. Let's do it. So tell us about someone who first inspired your faith journey. 
Well, my parents, primarily my my parents, because um, my dad is like a walking a walking concordance. Yeah, he he knows <laughs> he knows his Bible verses and things, but he taught me growing up that you know you stand up for what you believe in, no matter if it's you know unpopular or not. And um, I, I really look up to him for that. And my mom is the one who taught me about you know, inviting Jesus in my heart mm-hmm. and salvation and why it's so important, you know, at a young age. So she was influential in my life for my faith as well. So you've identified yourself as a Christian who has bipolar. Um, at what point did you see your symptoms coming on and what did they look like? Well, um, being that I was very strong in my faith, from a young age, uh, when I was 15, I prayed about changing from a public school to a private school. So I did, and at 16 that year, uh, my junior year, I experienced a change. And usually, that's what happens when um, bipolar emerges in somebody. There's a life change going on, really. Um, right. So at that age, we couldn't really identify whether it was just teenage hormones at, you know, the early points, but, um, the bipolar emerged with a depression first, that fall of the school year. I was pretty new. I was the new kid on the block. So it was hard to be myself. And who am I at this age? You know, you're wondering at that age, who am I anyway? So feeling depressed and having, starting to have suicidal thinking was um, something I really struggled with. I was on the soccer team, and, you know, they put me on midfield because I'm, I'm a runner, and I never really played soccer, but they're like, hey, you can run the ball up and down the field if you can run. So, But anyway, um, being I made, like, one goal the whole season and was just nervous about, you know, playing the game. I'm not used to soccer. Um, I just really uh, felt like, the weakest link on the team that really affected my thinking I think and yeah. I remember going home on the rides home from those games that we lost all of and <laughs> thinking to myself if I just you know unpu- unbuckled my seatbelt and opened the door I could just you know get run over and that'd be it yeah. that ended because I felt you know so upset but um, Katie I, I moved when I was 16 from Indiana or from Kentucky to Indiana. And I I remember a lot of days where I was kind of in a similar place where kind of depression hit me for the first time and I was in a different environment and really had some suicidal ideation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's real, yeah. So you you were 16 and how Uh, long were you experiencing the, the low? I think most of that fall uh, turned around at New Year's. I remember specifically thinking to myself, well, it's New Year's. I'm going to turn a new leaf. I'm going to, you know, make the most of it. And, you know, I'm going to try my best. So I did see uh, improved moods. And uh, at the time, I think it was seeing a psychiatrist, uh, but... I wasn't taking anything for it. 
until I think my, my moods, it's hard to remember exactly, but my moods and my thoughts were becoming more manic. And so I went to the doctor, she prescribed me an antidepressant. Well, you're bipolar. If you don't know you're bipolar and you take an antidepressant, you know, you <laughs> come up and swing up into mania and psychosis. And that's what I did. Um, right. Yeah. Which was really hard for me because one, I didn't know how to, one, one I didn't know what was going on. Really, what is, what are all these voices in my head and what, what is this fear and this paranoia, you know? Two, like, I, I'm a very introverted person <laughs> and talking to my parents about, hey, I just heard, like, these demon-like voices in my head at one in the morning, you know? Here I am lying in my parents' bed because I'm frightened out of my mind and don't know what's going on. But yeah. I couldn't tell them they're, like, you know, there's something going on with our daughter, but we don't know what. And it was just a hard place to be in. So, um, so how... How did this mental illness, how how did these symptoms impact your faith at that time? Well, I was questioning, like, if I'm hearing demons in my head, does that mean I'm not a Christian? Like, I went through the verses, like, you know, we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. It's our our guarantee. Um, The voice, or the verses, excuse me, the verses that my dad had taught me, you know, that we have the guarantee that we're sealed, that you know, greater is he who is in me who than he who is in the world. Um, greater is the Lord, you know, who's in us. So um, I really had to grapple with, uh, you know, questions of, am I saved? I'm hearing, you know, impacted my faith that way. And I, I just had to believe that God was with me and that he knew exactly what was going on in my mind. I had the comforter, you know, the Holy Spirit to tell me um, that I wasn't alone, that he was with me. Uh, I remember being in the hospital the first time at 16, just lying in bed in the middle of the night, thinking to myself, God, you have to save me. (laughs) If you've Mm -hmm. saved me before, you have, this is the time you have to save me. Yeah. Felt his presence completely like transform the whole room was his presence there and he was above me just saying, I'm here, you know, I see, I know exactly what you're going through. That's great. Was that a turnaround, that experience at the hospital? um, It was good for, to be there, that was the best place I could be, you know, at the time. Um, I would say it helped me get better. Uh, there's a lot of people, there was a lot of people there that were actually Christian that helped guide me through that time. I remember one of the nurses, she would come in and remind me of the Lord's, or the uh, 23rd Psalm, the Lord, my shepherd, I shall not fear and want. And it was just, you know, really a light to have in that dark place. I think I saw an email recently yes. mm-hmm. where you were asking people to send you stories of their experiences when they were in the hospital and right. in a stress right. unit. Right. So I'm, I'm asking, uh, when did you start contemplating writing something, asking people for um, sharing their stories? Uh, just recently, I thought, you know, it'd be good to have other people talk about it and be candid because there's more people talking about mental illness these days, but 
I think there's a lot to be done in in the inpatient parts of mental health care. Uh, so I think if we raise enough noise and <laughs> and we're you know describing the way people are treated in those places, we would you know be able to make a change. Have there been occasions in your life in your journey where the faith community has maybe fallen short of assisting you in your mental illness? When I started and having the symptoms at 16, I didn't know what was going on, so neither did anybody else, really. Um, I was in a Christian school, private Christian school. I was going to church, and people around me were probably wondering, you know, okay, she's a little bit off. But once we did determine what it was, I and even when I was going through it and we didn't know what it was, there were people there that were for me, that were, you know, praying with me or giving me the support I needed and the recognition I needed. Um, definitely like the school nurse and um, people along the way, you know, would uh, have the compassion for me. And uh, that, But at, at points I thought, why, especially at 24 when I was in the hospital in Florida, um, being I didn't have family nearby, I really did want, I mean, I had my husband and that was it, but I did want at one point the pastor of our church to come visit it would have been nice to have a pastor, any of the pastors come visit me in the hospital or a friend from the church, from choir, um, mm -hmm. because you're, you feel so alone in that kind of place when a lot of people who have mental illness don't know the Lord and they're in place with you. It's great to have a, a fellow Christian. I found a few of them in, in the ward, but yeah, there was a lot of kind of terror kind of nights that, and days that I felt like I could have used a good, stable support from the church. Yes. Katie, you have a multifaceted ministry. I'd like to hear more about your current work and how you are uh, able to share your faith perhaps implicitly or... Um, under the radar, however, however you might you might put it. Yeah, so I wrote a book, a memoir. It isn't published yet, but I have it pretty much finished. Um, so in that, it goes into my hospitalizations at 16 and 24, and I share about my faith and how Jesus, you know, met me in the hospitals and, you know, really was uh, present in that time. Uh, I have a blog, BipolarBrave.com, that I frequently blog on um, thoughts about faith and mental illness. And I'm candid there, too. I just, I want to be open and honest. The world is hungry for truth. And, you know, if I have a little light of mine. I want to shine it as much as I can. And it's, it's almost easier to do it online. I feel like it's, you know, cause we're behind a screen, but I feel like it's my way of sending out, you know, that message of hope and finding other people there in that blogging community that can relate to it. Katie, now you and Tony, found each other through your mutual blogs. Right. Correct. And then you each wrote We did on a the blog others. swap. 
Yep. Yeah. Right. Right. So that's a good example of your blogging, mm -hmm. kind of creating networking. And you've been on a couple of podcasts too, right? Yes. Uh, Fresh Hope and uh, Psych, Psych Central. Yeah. Central.com show, yeah. Right. Uh, I saw Tony post on uh, the Bipolar Writer, and I said, oh, I'm going to reach out to him. <laughs> He's a fellow Christian, our fellow brother. Yes. I don't remember that post, so I'm glad you did. <laughs> so how do you, uh, in your view, how do you think the Christian's hope of recovery from mental illness differs from a secular hope of recovery? That's a great question. <laughs> I know this you came up question. with it. <laughs> this is your question. Yeah. Um. <laughs> And, you know, that's a question that I don't have all the answers to, but I do think that because we have Jesus who conquered death and we have him to guide us, uh, we are going to find victory. At least I can speak for myself and say I have found that victory. I have found that he's healed me from my mental illness. Now it's in the form of medication and working through my issues with therapists and family, but I do see a lot of people who don't have God in their, that's a big piece of the equation, you know, the behavioral or just patterns of upbringing that people are, a lot of people struggle with in their dynamics of their families and then their relationships pours out over into their mental health and vice versa. And they still don't have the answer to our brokenness. And when you add God, God is the piece, the missing piece of the puzzle. So to me, it's like, well, duh, you know, <laughs> just, just call on Jesus because he's the answer. He knows it all. He's, he's our creator. Um, he's our great physician. So I feel like we have an answer to mental illness that the world so, Katie, you kind of began that response by talking about how you, you are taking medicine mm -hmm. while at the same time recognizing your own healing. Mm -hmm. so, so you've got that kind of going from both angles, right? Your, your faith as healing as well mm -hmm. as psychiatric yes. medicine helping with your healing also. Yes. Can, can you speak a little bit more about that? And, and this is a good time, I think, that really asked that question, what does healing mean to you? Yeah, sure thing. Well, healing is the hand of God on my mind for me personally. Um, I prayed for healing. I claimed healing, and he, he answered. He didn't have to heal me. I could still be in the hospital, in and out of the hospital. He was gracious enough to answer my prayer to uh, and the prayers of other people to have a sane mind, a sound mind, and ha living in his reality and not an alternate reality of, you know, hearing voices or hallucinations or delusions or anything else that comes with the bipolar disorder. Mm -hmm. So uh, the daily dose of medicine of psychotropics and the daily dose of medicine from the word of God. Yes. That's a great way to put it. I, I too share bipolar one with psychotic features. And, uh, um, so I, I hear voices. I, 
I have uh, uh, usually voices, not so much visions. But I, I have a question related to that, and that is for our listeners, how do you determine and distinguish between auditory delusions and the voice of God? Yeah, I was just going to say it's got to go against, it's got to be filtered through the Bible. It's just a matter of, you know, whose voice we're listening to or what chemicals are working and how they're working in the brain. Yeah, I remember being in the hospital at 24 and sitting there praying. I mean, I prayed a lot when I was in there. I, I was begging God, get me out of here. <laughs> but I asked him at one point, mm-hmm. I was like, God, where are you? And I hear this strong voice tell me, I'm in the dining room. I go into the dining room. Uh-huh. He's sitting there, but this, like, typical, archetypical, like, God of, like, the Old Testament. This guy with long gray hair, a beard. <laughs> and I'm so, I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's him. No way. I remember him. <laughs> Like it was yesterday, I sat down next to him and I go, say, so I said something, you know, can I, <laughs> at one point I asked him, I said, can I go with you? Can you take me from here? I was like, yeah, you know, gives me this, checks me out. And so I'm like, okay, okay, hold on a second. Wait a minute, back up. He gives me his name and his number, and I'm like, no, that's not what, that's not what I'm, no, you're, you're definitely not, you're not God. But uh, he, he probably, what a great story. Got that a lot, because a lot of people, was, was he trying yeah, to pick you up after, after that, that? But I mean, <laughs> I got too freaked out, I avoided him after that, but there are Good people in you. there that, you know, they have the messianic complex, and they think they're and, you know, you met oh, him, yeah. right? So, um, I remember I met another one who was Jesus. Um, <laughs> and it was, uh, it was 2012, so the end of the Mayan calendar, <laughs> December 21st is coming around the right. corner. I was in there in October, and, and I'm asking him all these questions. Can you give me some wisdom? What Enlighten me, please. And he's like, I'm sorry, you just, I think you've been... Uh, misguided and uh i i just don't have time to answer all these questions i got a lot to do coming up on december 21st I go. <laughs> so neat good stories we we would like to touch on the subject mm-hmm. of pregnancy and you know i i don't know where you are in this obviously we don't want to reveal anything to your husband <laughs> <Okay>. over <overline, laughs> online okay. but, uh, but um we certainly want to address with you some of the issues that might go into just, you know, just discerning, uh, you know, what you might do in the case of a pregnancy, when it would be okay. You know, what, what are your thoughts along those well, lines? Well, um, we've always kind of uh, had it kind of up in the air with, well, I'll say for myself, I've been up in the air about, getting pregnant and being a mom. He's always wanted to be a dad and I am open to being a mom. So, you know, if it's the Lord's will, we'll, we'll be parents. As far as the medicine that I'm taking and the pregnancy, it we've been researching it a little bit and 
talking to pharmacists and talking to the doctor. The classes that I'm on, the medicine I'm on, are in classes that it's like neither confirmed nor denied that they, they don't have enough research to, to really tell. But the research they do have has indicated that in some cases it's caused birth defects or what have you. We're still praying about it. I, I see a doctor, another doctor in April for a second opinion. My husband is just, you know, he really wants to get as much research and feedback from the doctor as possible. I'm just going to pray for wisdom. You know, if I need to change my dosage of medicine or the type of medicine, I really don't want to do that because I've already done that and it's kind of ended me up in a bad place. I mean, there's always the op option of adoption and, you know, if we don't end up, if we figure it's too great of a, you know, risk, you know, I'm willing for whatever God has in mind and has in store. I'd like to come back to your blog and ask you a, a couple of specific questions about what you've written. Um, in, in one of your posts, you used the phrase intoxicated by madness. Um, do you recall that phrase? Yeah, and, yeah. Okay. I'd, I'd be curious to hear more about what you mean by that and how that applies to those of us with bipolar. Well, in mania, which is one of the poles, uh, I had, at least like you did, Tony, I had some psychotic features. So it really was madness. I, I When I was in it, I was like, don't call me crazy. I'm just creative. <laughs> and I had this like attitude like, I'm not crazy, but <laughs> I was. I'm sorry to say. I, right. I know I was mad. You know, I had an altered view of reality that it was absorbing the majority of my thinking. And I had this overactive imagination that I couldn't control. You know, it says in the Bible, take every thought captive to the throne of Christ. And it's, mm. yeah, I want to do that. But <laughs> right mm -hmm. now my mind is just not cooperating. So uh, mm -hmm. I think I was intoxicated by madness because I was, I was like drunk on, you know, this chemical imbalance if you will, and couldn't think right. You know, it's just another organ that isn't working right. I just felt like everything, like, have you seen the movie A Beautiful Mind? With, I have, yeah. yes. It's like that, like connecting these little uneventful, insignificant stuff, connecting it to make a meaning out of it. Like there's a message from the universe coming at me and I'm like, hold on, let me write the car license plate down in front of me because it stands for something. It's really bizarre and um some of the stuff that i specifically went through i don't know if it was part of the spiritual warfare and the manic psychosis i had maybe a delusion or a hallucination but when i was sick at 24 i remember we were in saint augustine for our third anniversary and my husband and i were taking one of those trolleys rides mm -hmm. and we go around the corner and who do i see but Tom Cruise, like, standing in the corner, like, just watching me go by in the trolley. And he goes, oh, she's really fast. And I look down at my shoes, Asics, or not Asics, Brooks, Ghost 7, or Ghost, you know, whatever. So mine went to Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol. And I just kept picking up, like, a magnet. I just kept picking up on things that had to do with Tom Cruise, which, by the way, I have no infatuation or attraction. <laughs> like, this is how random it was. It was just like, oh, yeah. Then we go through uh, downtown 
St. Augustine, we're leaving St. Augustine and we go down Holmes Road to leave St. Augustine. And I'm like, oh, another sign or something. And then in the hospital, there was this guy wearing a Top Gun hat and he starts smirking at me. Like he knows the inside joke. And I'm like, (laughs) I must be the butt of this universal joke because everybody's talking about Tom Cruise. It's Tom Cruise walking. And then he heard his voice in my head. I'm like, Tom Cruise. No, I will not serve your God. I will not walk with you. <laughs> He's like asking me to deny my faith and follow him. I'm like, no, I will not do that. And it was... You're like, I am not a Scientologist. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> it's really not fair, I don't think, when you have these moments where you have elevated symptoms mm-hmm. and they become absolutely discounted as you know, nearly worthless because you are in a manic place or you are in a more depressive place. Mm-hmm. It's just, I think the reality of it, there are things going on in those symptomatic times that are big time takeaways yeah. in your life, oh, yeah. right? That, that are, that you need to hold on to. Tony, you probably have a little more. I've really never had that experience. Uh, Tony, what, what's your take? I agree. I think you're, you use a good word in terms of hyper religiosity, um, I, I see it also as kind of a hypersensitivity to um, God's word, to the Holy Spirit. It comes alive during these manic states. The, the dilemma I face is I can't maintain them. You know, eventually I crash. <laughs> you know, one more question I have about your blog that ties in perfectly well here. Um, and that is you write, uh, you know, about having direct contact with God through prayer, which is a very natural expression of faith that many, many of us who are Christians would, would say. But it's also something that many in the, of those in the secular arena and in the psychiatric profession would view as a delusion, as a religious delusion. And I'm curious to know how you respond to that. Yeah, I was delusional at points in my psychosis and my mania, but at least I have that experience, you know, and that taste of what it's like to really have the presence of God, you know, feel his presence and and hear his voice. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something that adds the backbone to my faith, not... And it right. to me, he's real, you know, he's not some guy upstairs. He's just, you know, he's, he's actually in tune to every thought. He's, he knows, and he's aware of every single hair out of my head. So he must know every thought in my mind, subconscious and conscious. So it's like, he's, he's proved myself when I searched for him and, Man, yes, us bipolars, we will search with all our hearts because it's just, I think that's part of the nature of the disease, of the beast. It's just, you go 100 miles an hour, but you go with everything you got. And in those times, that's when I found the Lord and saw his face and found him. So, Katie, the name of your blog is Bipolar Brave. And I think, you know, just the things you've been saying the last few minutes really speak to your bravery in discussing your faith in the context of, you know, hyper-religiosity moments, you know, hypersensitive moments, as 
uh, Tony has spoken of. Mm -hmm. When did you name Bipolar Brave, and, and what does that mean to you? So I, I started blogging maybe like three or four years ago, and I'm kind of a creative type, so Bipolar Brave just sounded good. That's why I picked it. <laughs> yeah. it like good alliteration there. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was like, okay. But it means not just be brave enough to speak out. It means being bipolar is a scary thing. And I'm brave to have faced it. Uh-huh. And I mean, if you're bipolar, you have probably, you know, that's a vulnerable point for people because they're sensitive, hypersensitive, hyper-religious, or hyper, you know, the, the spiritual realm is there and you have to be a brave person to have gone through psychosis and even depression to face that enemy of doubt and fear and the enemy himself. Yes. So... And to not only have those experiences, but to you know be brave enough to you know want to be on this podcast, to write about it, you know to seek others uh, writing about their experiences in the hospital. These are all bold things you're doing, and I really applaud you for leaning into this and and taking your experiences and wanting to use them for good. So thank you so much, Kate. Oh, all glory to God. He's, you know, working everything to the good because that's his promise to us in Romans. So I'm just holding on to that promise, and he's proven faithful. So thank you for having me on this podcast. Praise God. Thanks, Katie. Thank you, guys. So, Eric, what was your takeaway in our interview with Katie? Well, Katie really is living up to her blog, uh, Bipolar Brave. You bet. She has quite the experience, uh, you know, with a couple of hospitalizations. And, you know, she is a Christian woman who takes her faith seriously. Yep. Both when she is not symptomatic and when she is. And instead of dismissing those experiences she's having when she is symptomatic, she's really investigating what those experiences mean, how are they relevant to her life in the here and now. And I think that is a voice that we do not hear a lot. And no. I'm really glad we captured this on Revealing Voices because it truly is unique and it truly is brave to want to talk about it and make it relevant instead of dismissing it and being apologetic about it. Right. And to listen to her talking about the supernatural that's always difficult territory mm -hmm. for people to, to talk about and even listen to. And I'm glad she's willing to step into those spaces and, and speak to those things. And uh, all the while, and this is kind of a different takeaway, speaking to the fact that she has felt healing uh, very profoundly and she takes medicine. Yep. That's a, a beautiful thing, and I'm glad she's she's in that space mm -hmm. and speaking to that also. 
How about you, Tony? In a very similar way, I, I thought Katie was exceptionally articulate about not only her faith, but being brave, as you say, to explore some of the psychotic dimensions of her illness. Uh, had some wonderful humor about life on a psych unit right. <laughs> that I could really identify with. Um, certainly as someone who shares Katie's diagnosis, I can, uh, uh, she, she really gets it. You know, I, I, I felt like, uh, she was coming from a place of authenticity and integrity. Um, there was nothing phony about her at all. She was right. the real, the real deal. Yes. Yes. You know, she mentioned, you know, asking people to write about their experiences in the hospital. I think that's great. Yeah, you know, I've written in various places about my hospitalizations and uh, always looking for avenues to express it in ways that gives glory to God. I, I will look into that further. Yeah. I, I've had good experiences in the hospital and... You know, if I were to write, I think I'd be talking about the aspects of group therapy that really helped me, right? And you know how that really, in a way, led to our faithful friends ministry. I mean, right. It really came from a model inside of the unit. So, yeah, I think one final thing is that um, we don't give our psychiatric hospitals, psychiatric units, enough credit. Um, they are overstaffed, or I'm sorry, they are understaffed and underfunded, and they desperately need our help. They need um, better insurance coverage. They need more um, government grants, government monies. Um, yes. We need to build more humane psychiatric centers. Uh, there's a lot that could be and needs to be done to provide better mental health care. Yes. Katie, thank you. Thanks, Katie. Look forward to maintaining this relationship, getting to know you more. Uh, and Be brave. Being brave like you. <laughs> Marie Henning is going to be our next guest. And I'm very excited because Marie has been a part of my life since the moment, really, I moved to... Columbus and uh, served as almost like a, a second mother to me in a very difficult transition in my life. That's great. So she was in many ways some of your mental health support at that time. Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. I, and she's been supporting people's mental health throughout her career in human resources. And that's really why we decided to have her come on the show. It's important for all of us with mental health diagnoses to have those people in our lives, you know, whether they be spouses or sisters or bosses or um, surrogate mothers or mm -hmm. any, uh, yes. you need a, it takes a village. This is true. So we, we intentionally want to have uh, people from our local community on Revealing Voices because we want our local community to be a a healthy place, uh, a place that's uh, opening up conversations and a place where people understand uh, the resources that already exist here and the people that really care about supporting, you know, community-wide mental health. Columbus is a great city to live in and there's so much we have going for us. 
But like all communities, um, we have our problems and we can't sweep them under the table. We need to uh, address those problems and there are good people here who are doing so. Um, and we hope to have many of them on the program, including Marie. Yes. Tony, our show has come to a close. Now is the time to ask for five-star reviews. Please scroll to the bottom of our podcast homepage, click on five stars, then click on write a review. Help us reach more people seeking emotional healing and the hope of faith. Thanks again for your support of Revealing Voices. Revealing Voices is not a substitute for professional mental health care or participation in a faith community. If your unanswered questions or unanswered prayers leave you feeling desperate or unsafe, we urge you to seek further help. A partial list of outreach resources may be found on our website, revealingvoices.com. Do you have a, a name? When she first was talking, it uh, it became uh, Hat Paw. Because <laughs> I, I was always wearing a hat. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. And uh, then it uh, uh, it became Yampa Yoberts. Uh, Yampa? Because she was... Uh, These are good names, Tony. Yeah, she was still working with her uh, G's.